0: Welcome to episode ten of Courtside Indiana. This is Jim Reamer again, joined by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week?
1: Uh, went well. Wish the weather was a little warmer, but that looks like that's coming soon.
0: Well, you know, you're. You know, you're about an hour and forty five minutes north of me. What's not that we're going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but but it's what's the temperature like up there the last few days? I mean, down here it's been kind of mid fifties. Up yes. there it's been what?
1: Yeah, so we're uh, we're like low forties here with the wind chill uh, around freezing. I was I was grilling lunch today, some burgers on the grill, and I could see my breath. We we have a frost warning potentially uh, for tomorrow morning. We had one the other day also, so a little chilly up this way.
0: And this is why I'm never moving north of where I am. So. <laughs> um, we are um, sort of in a weird period where there's just, you know, this would be the time of year when a lot of action would be happening after. I know we recorded last Monday. Some stuff has happened since last Monday. Um, but we've, um, this would be the time of year when a lot of guys would be getting D one offers because of the, uh, April, uh, open periods. And we're just, we're just missing that. And, um, so it's a good time to move into other territories. It's, but it's, it's something that for those who are hopefully will listen to us on a weekly basis, plus your background with, with the Crossroads league and NAI basketball, we are going to feature uh, to some extent, especially on this podcast, um, you know, non D1 recruiting. And that's kind of where we're getting with right now. We've got uh, some, you know, last week, right when we were podcasting, started getting some IU Kokomo stuff um, as, as far as commitments. I, I think at the time we knew Julian Hunter was already committed to IU Kokomo and, and, and then since then they've added or even that night actually they've added Hunter Hunter White who was uh formerly at Pike High School and then transferred to Tenley and one and was part of their state championship team and then Dylan Ware who is of course a guy that I've sort of advocated <laughs> I, I mean I, I unregrettably I picked him I gave him a, a Mr. Basketball vote I think he is thought he was that caliber of a player, at least to the point of being on the all-star team. He did not make it, but probably should have. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about those guys. Um, have you had a chance to see Julian Hunter, Hunter White, or Dylan? Have you had a cha- much chance to see those guys play?
1: Yeah, I, I got to see Dylan last year uh, at a yeah. tournament. At a tournament out at cascade i think is that west of town there it is yes and they usually have a tournament out there i believe nice gym uh i saw him out there long um he a lot of his his baskets were closer or a lot of his points were closer to the basket stuff didn't really shoot the ball very well when i saw him uh but gave people fits on defense with his length good rebounder very
0: active hands too I, his you know his shot mechanics and this is a kid that I've been involved with so you know his shot mechanics need work and no questioning about it and, and defensively I know Danville employs a lot of 131 one in the half court and they use him on top um I'm not sure that um he would he would be successful in a lot of defensive systems with his length. And, and I know that it, it's sometimes it's tough to swap out guys from a, from a, a, a system that has a lot of zone into more aggressive man to man. And I don't know exactly what coach Eckelberger is doing at Kokomo as far as his his half court system defensively. Uh, if it's anything like his dad, who is I consider to be a mentor of mine and Eric played in, a, in a, the program that I was part of a long time ago, I coached two of his brothers. So, if it's anything like his dad, then there's no question that Dylan is going to be successful defensively at IU Kokomo. And, and he's a kid that has just really improved his skill over all other aspects of his game. His definitely a shot mechanics still need work. And that may be why schools at, at, at higher levels, maybe, didn't like him, or didn't weren't aggressive with him. Um, but I think in a, in a lot of different parts of the games, he is definitely a Division One caliber player. So as far as I'm concerned, IU Kokomo got themselves a steal. Um, yeah, six he, seven, extremely long, as you mentioned. But yeah, go ahead with what yeah.
1: You're he, he narrowed say. it down to those two schools, Huntington and, and uh, IU Kokomo, pretty quickly too. I seemed like
0: yeah, and look, he's a kid too that. Look, we talk a lot about distance from home. And I think in, in talking to guys that I've been involved with and and I and I had nothing I had no discussion with him in terms of his decision making process. If if the issue is from distance, as it relates to distance from home, if the issue is how far from home you are, then the answer's gotta be it doesn't matter. Whether I mean we talk a lot about guys that go to Butler you know, that are close to home, once you get to college, you're going to be immersed in that college system. You know, you're going to be immersed. I'm not, not system, but culture. Right. You're not, if you're embracing it whatsoever, you're going to be, you're not going home on the weekends just to hang out. You know, you might take laundry home every now and then for your, you know, for your mom to take care of or your dad, depending on the home situation. But, (laughs) but if the issue is, I need or want my parents to be at my games. Then distance from home becomes an issue. And I think that could be a situation where it was real easy for him to, to get excited about the scholarship situations, um, you know, that are just close to home. And, it, and especially if you go to IU Kokomo, I mean, academically you get a degree that says Indiana university that matters. I mean, it really does. Um, you know, as a guy that graduated from IUPUI, I know that you know my diploma is Indiana University. Same here. And exactly. And um, you know, so it, from a basketball perspective, if he's, I mean, if he's getting his education paid for, then I, then it's all of this is is a success. Um. You know, but definitely a kid that's under recruited, and definitely a kid that Coach Eckelbarger will will love having. He's a kid that that is um, can play multiple positions at that level. Probably can play all five positions at that level. Definitely can defend all five positions at that level, or I should say, he can definitely defend four positions at that level um, yeah, they can run a lot of offense through him.
1: Going to have to add some strength if he's going to guard a five, probably.
0: Yeah. Um, and when you look at some of the guys that have come through, like if nothing else, the crossroads league where they have had some D one guys that have transferred down, um, you know, probably, and now with what NAI has gone to just one division, yeah, one division. So now you're, you're getting into a little bit more of an athletic, you know, competitive situation, um, no question in my mind, he could guard three positions in that league. And, and definitely, even if it's just a situation where every now and then he's, he's switched on to a smaller player, he's going to be able to handle his own because of his length. Um, Hunter white is a kid that started out in the pike system, transferred to Tenley, played with Eric Hunter, who is now at Purdue together. They won a state championship and he had some big plays in the final game. And, He's a, a left-handed athletic kid who's really coming out of high school was more of a slasher and more of a um, a guy who was going to score off the dribble than off the catch. Defensively, uh, no question he's able and no question he's willing. But, you know, obviously he went to junior college. haven't had a chance to see him play um, since then. So where his game defensively has improved, you know, don't know much about, Um, but, you know, again, that's a kid that athletically is a, is a division one caliber player. And like Dylan, his, his negative was his shot, his shot mechanics and just relying heavily on scoring off the dribble, relying heavily on turning defense into offense. And then the last guy they got was Julian Hunter, son of former uh, Indiana All-Star Chad Hunter, who played at New Albany in the mid-90s and then went to Indiana State. Julian was a kid that played a lot of RC as a freshman and has had some health issues coming through. And I think with a lot of guys at, at that age, the high school age, when you have the types of health issues they have had, they've, they've all been incident-related. And so it, it's causing, but it, but it, but it's causing to miss a lot of time. So no different than at the at the professional level, or even the college level. You're not just spending time getting back to the point where you can play. You're losing time developing your overall game. So what what Julian has seen is at six four six five, he is more of a strictly a power, like a four. As opposed, you know, his dad was six five and a two guard, and and Julian was a kid that I think coming in, you know, getting a chance to play with Romeo, getting a chance to play with Sean East, you know, early on his his playing time was going to come because of his his athleticism, his motor, his ability to get to the glass, make plays, you know, and, you know, make plays around the paint, especially off, you know, especially. Um, Second chance opportunities, but then just skill set wise, he was just hindered, you know, just by injuries. And but man, his he works hard, and I you know I think he's going to be a really good situation for um, for IU Kokomo to where he can come in and really defensively, he's really good, and I think he's going to have a chance if he can stay healthy to be a difference maker defensively and turn some defense into offense. But, but offensively, he's, he's at a level where he's probably, it's good for him as a power forward, you know, as a kid, that's kind of his position to where he can maximize his, his, uh, his production. So those are the three kids that, that IU Kokomo got. And I, you know, as good of a year as they've had, this past year. Yeah, for sure. You know, they were yeah, they were a top 20 team heading into the tournament, and they were one of the nine Indiana teams. Nine. The NAI – Indiana has a lot. I mean, we're all snobs about Indiana basketball, but there is definitely success at every level, and and this is the biggest success, at least collegiately. You've got nine Indiana teams getting to the, the final 32 um, of the NAI tournament. And IU kochman was one of them. And the three pieces that they're bringing in this for next year, um, I, I don't fully know what they're losing as far as graduation, but um, these three guys are definitely going to make them better. If not next year, then certainly going forward. So yeah, definitely. Um, what, what else has happened before we move on to other topics, crossroads league wise, I know that's a, definitely a, something that you're interested in. What, what of what's changed here in the last week as far as recruiting or transfers?
1: Uh yeah, Col- coach Alford at Huntington has brought in a a shooter from Australia, Joel Dyer is his name, lefty shooter. Uh don't know much about him, they're just making a big deal about how well he shoots the ball, so we'll see about that, like I said from Australia. Uh and then Iwoo, Indiana West Lanes bringing in a kid from Ohio. Uh they recruit Ohio really well. I feel like 6'4", probably wing player, looks like, or guard. So uh, that's you know,
0: crossroads-wise. I think at some point we're going to have to do a, a deeper dive on the crossroads teams and, and and obviously include, you know, the Holy Cross, IU Kokomo, IU East, IU Southeast yeah, as well. Um, yeah, IUSB. And and just go through, you know, as we if we as it gets to be a little bit more clear on if we're going to have a year, you know, a regular season. Sure. Um. At, at, but at some point, we need this. We need to focus on, um. You know what these teams are going to look like going forward, and because definitely it's something that we need to we need to make part of what we do from a podcast standpoint so yeah um last week we talked a little bit about you indy uh with their coaching change uh, paul cassaro bringing in uh, aaron etherington jacoby robinson both uh really talented kids from indiana that were transferring in from uh jacoby was transferring in from mckendry which is another glvc school and then uh, aaron etherington transferred in from uh, toledo Um, and then they had Trevor Lakes depart, transfer out, um, as coach Gerard left, he entered the transfer portal and and had a lot of interest and and ended up committing to Nebraska. So now we're going to focus a little bit on coach Gerard's moving from Indianapolis to, to USI to Southern Indiana. And, and namely, um, you know, namely, um, Keegan O'Neill has was a commit to University of Indianapolis to play for Coach Gerard, and when, when Gerard left to go to USI, kind of left Keegan in a position where he was sort of a man without a coach, and um, so this this past week, in fact, the last couple of days, he has indeed changed his commitment. From University of Indianapolis to University of Southern Indiana, and he is still getting a chance to play for Coach Girard at Southern Indiana. Uh, thoughts on that? On that process, in terms of, are you good with the kid getting the free, the the freebie change? Is that a, is that something that is it's not entirely controversial? <clears throat> kind of hitting you out of the blue with this. Yeah. We didn't really. Yeah, for me,
1: I mean, with the coaching change, a lot of times that's that's the reason you're going to a place, too, is the coach sold you on the place. Uh, right. So, obviously, if you like what the coach is going to run, what the coach has told you they're going to do for you, uh, play time, playing time-wise, uh, I, I feel like the coach is basically the salesman for the school, so I don't have a problem with kids leaving if the coach leaves.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 there as well. I I do think that, and look, Keegan, Keegan's a kid that I've got a history with. His his father is is a friend of mine, and um, you know, it's it is definitely something that whether it was by plan or by circumstance, you know, both coaching decisions were made. You know, it wasn't like Stan lost his job and was in limbo. Right, And it wasn't like University of Indianapolis took a bunch of time to hire a new guy. Um, you know, there were a lot of known variables in there before Keegan had a chance to make up his mind. But but knowing how Coach Gerard operates, they're kind of late to the game on high school recruits. And I don't mean that in a criticism way. I mean that in a they felt that University of Indianapolis, they could get transfers, sure. like division one transfers.
1: Yeah. Timing wise. You know, it, and, out and
0: well it did. And I, cause I know how they recruited Eric Davidson, who's from Hamilton Southeastern situation that I was extremely involved with. Um, we jokingly, I was his scholarship pimp for a while. Um, even with Trevor lakes was a kid that they, Trevor had committed the Maryville. Maryville had a coaching change. He opened his commitment back up, uh, heading into the spring. And Coach Casaro was very aggressive in getting Indianapolis involved um, as an assistant. And you know, you look at guys like Jimmy King and, and Josh Bryant, Bryant who has since transferred, Jimmy King who has graduated. You know, you look at some of those guys and those dudes are few and few and far between on how Indianapolis recruited high school guys. And, you know, it was Keegan. My point there is, is that Keegan was a guy that coach Gerard targeted early, you know, and that's, and that says a lot. So when he switched to USI, you know, just in talking with Keegan's father, you know, there was definitely interest in Keegan's mind of look. If Coach Gerard wanted me to come down to USI, that was going to happen, right? And and it and it did.
1: And it seemed uh, like he gave it time at UIndy a little bit, didn't he? Before just he, he did. It. I mean,
0: I well, I, look, there's look, there's there's two ways to look at this. One, hey, let, let's see who they hire, right? You know, and I, and I don't know the behind the scenes. We've not had a chance to talk to. To Keegan's father yet and um, to seeing how the, the behind the scenes you know, how that how the machinations work between process and decision making um, but you know I think the responsible way to handle all those situations is waiting until until everybody's really landed you know you you had a chance you know they hired a coach. Paul was an assistant who didn't have anything, you know, it didn't have much to do with the recruitment of this 2020 class, but he was definitely in a, you know, a a former assistant who was hired and and had a chance to, you know, to talk to Keegan a little bit and to recruit him a little bit, but, but it wasn't like Stan, you know, took the job at USI and all of a sudden Keegan committed. So like you said, you know, there was some time taken. There was some, there was some, you know, there, there was some research done. On, you know, what the interest was in all directions, you know, and, and it's look, it's, it's up up to this point, it's the biggest decision these kids make, you know, it's sometimes the biggest decisions you make are college, you know, your first, your first home purchase, getting married and the first job that you take that you view as a career you know, as, as opposed to just a job, you know, and, and um, the college one is the first one of these things that, that happens for a vast majority of people. And it, and it goes a long way to scripting the rest of your life. And, you know, and, and not, I don't mean basketball wise, I mean, professionally, you know, and, and what you're going to do after college. So it, it's good that Keegan took his time and, you know, they, they, USI has gotten another kid from Indy as a transfer, Jacob uh, Palakovich, um, who's a kid that I don't, I don't know much about. He's from Michigan, but but definitely a guy that transferred from UND to USI, and, and certainly sees that as an opportunity for him. Um, but you know, my understanding going for you know from dealing with some trans you know from situations in the past, and even a little bit in digging with Trevor Lakes's. Uh, transfer from UND was that it at the Division II level, they pretty much don't require you to sit out a year unless you stay in conference. So I don't know how that applies to a guy like Polakovic, and I definitely don't know how that applies to someone like Keegan, who certainly signed a letter of intent to play for UND. Um and we, you know, I don't know that I, I doubt very much you'll have to sit a year' because it's not nearly as formal at the division two level as is as it is at the, the division one level sure so
1: and you gotta you gotta um, think of it too from the coach's perspective the coach is coming into the new situation also and maybe that's maybe I'm not saying Keegan wouldn't fit in his system, but I'm saying like you're coming into players that were recruited by a different coach, so maybe they right. won't fit in what you're what you want try to do when you come in. So there's that side of it too. Well,
0: and I and I wonder if at an institutional level, from the NCAA perspective, no, no real insight here. But and it's not like, hey, we don't care what happens at, at non-division one levels. But but you know, D one guys are are guys that are you know recruited and committed at division one level a little bit more quantity. Or quality necessarily, um, and when coaches change jobs or lose jobs, you just don't want a situation where guys are cherry picked, um, you know, just because there was a coaching change. And I, I think that's why a lot of this talk recently of NCAA considering the rule of kids or players getting a free transfer, like a. Fr- one-time transfer without having to set out a year. As of now, that's been tabled. You know, that was a discussion that was going to take place. The, the question was going to be, what would, would it be enacted? What The question wasn't going to be, would it be enacted? The question was going to be, would it be enacted this year? Because that was something that was, you know, that was in consideration with Lakes' transfer out of UND was when you transfer up, you still have to abide by the the residency rules, so he's going to have to sit a year to play at Nebraska, and that impacted his uh, attractiveness for, from some schools. Xavier, for one, they were interested in him if he could play now, and he could not play now. Not not necessarily under the current rules, he could not play now. If the NCAA were to come out and vote that new transfer rule in immediately that would have impacted his opportunities in, in ter- talking again about Trevor lakes, but not only did they not vote to have that in, you know, take place. Now they, they, they've tabled the discussion altogether and we're back to square one on kids have to sit, you know, have to sit a year to transfer unless you're a grad, you know, unless you're a grad transfer. And um, cause in Trevor's case, he was not a grad transfer. Um, but you know, I don't know. Anytime you get a coaching change, I, I do think kids should be given the ability to transfer without sitting. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that that should only take place after the school that you committed to hires a new coach. And assuming it's not some dumpster fire of a process. Which we didn't have here. UIndy was very quick and decisive. Southern Indiana obviously was very quick and decisive after Coach Watson retired. They targeted their, the guy they wanted. They got him. UND uh, wasn't real far behind in, in their process in terms of, of replacing Stan with, with Coach Casaro. Um, I think once the, once the coach has been hired, I think the, the, the recruits especially – should have the ability to to change their mind because despite what the NCAA says, what you said earlier was exactly right. These guys make their decision 75% of the time based on athletic reasons. And um, no matter how much someone like me might counsel them, you know, or, or someone like a school coach might counsel a kid, saying, look, you got to make sure you consider academic interests, internship interests, things like that, things that are important in the recruiting process. Um, most of these dudes make decisions based on basketball reasons. Right. And i uh, um, not against it, but, you know, I know the last group of kids I coached – I'm sorry, the last group of kids that have since gone to college and have now are not done with college – six of the 10 kids had new coaches from the time they committed until the, the end of their freshman year. And that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big, uh, it's a, it's a pretty big variable in terms of, you know, the decision-making process. So if you're making a decision based on your coach, you know, it's there's a pretty darn good chance that by the time you get to college or by the time you're, you're through the end of your first year, you're going to have a different coach. So make sure there's other reasons right? Uh, you know, in, in terms of your decision-making, but, but so anyway, so we're kind of through with, with the D2 stuff. Crossroads league. We're good on that. Yeah. And uh, IU Kokomo, they they've had a good week, right?
1: That's solid very solid week for iU Kokomo
0: i yeah, I don't disagree. I think Coach Echo is going to do a really good job i you know Roosevelt Jones is his assistant coach He's obviously played it and had a great career at butler um i'm I'm sure very instrumental in, in their recruiting and um you know Eric is a kid that is he's a kid he's not a kid, but he's played at Frankfurt. he's extremely familiar. With his, especially with his father, on uh, how to get around the India, you know, the Indianapolis area high school scene, and he he's done a great job. And, and quite frankly, as someone who's had a chance to to be part of his his, you know, his as a player, be part of his life as a player, um, I I'm excited for them. I'm excited for any of these Indiana schools from you know to do well and it's kind of neat to see all these all these really good NAI schools have a great level of success
1: oh yeah for uh, sure especially with the with the divisions mixing now I think it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that that adjustment and I I feel like they'll they'll do pretty well actually
0: is it is there a difference not that we is there a difference athletically I mean because I know because what happens a lot is and what a lot of guys don't know and and I don't I, I could, we could probably go through and, you know, find some interesting names that I've even met at the NBA level. But, but a lot of times th- these Division One NA. So before the last couple of years, NAIa was split into two divisions. Okay, you know that I'm not telling you anything. I'm just telling anybody that's listening to this that doesn't right. follow a lot of NAIA basketball. There's Division One, Division Two, and and by far the the Crossroads League has been the best NAIa. Division two basketball conference in the country, and we've we've been fortunate in that regard. But at the same time, it's still the second. It has been the second level at the NAIA level, and, and the difference between the two, in a lot of ways, is the amount of scholarships they can give. Um, and and just perception wise until recently the NAIA division 2 guys never really got any division 1 transfers in NCAA division 1 transfers whereas the NAIA level got a lot yes the the NAIA division 1 level it's confusing got a lot and sometimes those were academic hardships guys that just Really weren't fitting in. They weren't just regular transfers. They were guys that really were out of options, and you know they were because they could just as easily transfer down to NC to Division Two, NCAA Division Two, and play right away. But academically, these guys just weren't cutting it. They were they had some sort of issue with the NCAA, and you know for those who really aren't paying attention. NCAA and NAIA, there's no mix. So you could transfer to NAIA school and not have any NCAA issues because it's a completely different jurisdiction. So now these guys are grouped together. There's no more divisions at the NAIA level. There's just one division. So do we expect that the Crossroads League will fully compete at this combined level or do we think there's going to have any issue and i and maybe even extend it to just all indiana nai schools because as far as i knew all the indiana nai schools were division 2 correct yeah that's correct okay okay
1: and, and i think i look, a year or two ago i saw some numbers that somebody had come up with comparing statistically wise and everything the division one schools and division two schools of naia and the higher end crossroads schools were involved in that mix that i saw number wise uh, i'm not sure what all they went into to compare statistics when the i mean obviously division one and division two are different players so uh yeah i'm not sure what the, what was going on with those statistics but they did show that, like the Indiana Wesleyans, the Marions at that, and the Bethels at that time, were going to be able to compete with those uh, higher end Division One schools. And then the the other Crossroads League schools were also in that mix, though, as well, a little further down. So, uh, recruiting wise, I feel like a lot of the Crossroads schools have stepped up their game a little bit and are bringing in some really good kids. Uh, and like you mentioned, the transfers, Indiana Wesley and uh, Mary and Saint Francis, all known for bringing in D1 transfer kids now. So, so I can see them competing uh, with those other with the D1s that are, have been on top. I'm not really familiar with any of the D1s that have been on top or uh, any of those kind of schools. Um, financially, I know things might get tough here if we continue to not be able to play sports for some of these NAI schools, so they could be in trouble with that.
0: Yeah, the and I think a lot of that you said you are not aware of what the D one the D one schools are doing is because we don't have any in the state, or or had not had any in the state. I and and maybe wasn't like. Wasn't Purdue one of the Purdue extensions or IU North or wasn't one of them like a division one in AI school for a while?
1: Uh, seems like it might have been, or am I just like Purdue North because now there's just like like, that or Purdue Calumet because there was
0: there was Purdue Cal and the Purdue North Central, right? Yep, and now that's just Purdue, that's just Purdue Cal, yeah. And there's IU Northwest. Is there still an IU Northwest? There's still an IU Northwest, yep, there still is an IU Northwest. I should know that, right? Um, but now Purdue Cal is is division is Division Two NCAA Division Two, right? Uh, I'm not sure what they are. I I think so. <laughs> I, I I definitely think so. Um, we should know that, right? We probably should. But um, I should. Yeah, we should for sure. Right. I'm blaming you. Okay. No, but they are because Anthony Bernard from Kokomo is playing yes. there. Yes. Yep. That's yes, and that's a kid that came through our program, and and one of the first things that was discussed uh, as he was as he got that offer was that they are they were moving in real time. At that point, they were moving into the NCAA <laughs> Division 2 I know some of their programs are still at the NAI level, um, but that wasn't a whole lot unlike what IUPUI did back in the early '90s. Where their basketball was NCAA Division Two, and everything else was NAIA, and now, of course, they're all Division One. But anyway, um, well, the the bottom line is is that Indiana is extremely talented in terms of basketball. That's no news to anybody that would be listening to this podcast, and and they've had the best. Division Two NAIA conference in the country, and I, I don't see any reason why they can't, with a slight adjustment, um, be every bit as successful uh, with just one level. Now, was it one level this past year, or is that something that's new going that, in the next year? That'll
1: be new coming into next season.
0: Okay, so this was the last this year. This was the
1: last year because two, yeah,
0: because the the Crossroads League had five teams in the top twenty-five.
1: Yeah, I in the believe, country, I believe that was the final poll.
0: Yep, and that did not include – did that include St. Francis? That did not include Bethel.
1: No. Who
0: um, was in the top. You know, parentally
1: For most of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, parentally a, a, a ranked team. Yep. Um, That include, what, like, Marion, Indiana and St. Francis, Grace, and oh, I think Spring Arbor, Arbor and right? Heaven. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, they were. They were because they were head of St. Francis. Um, IU Kokomo was in that mix. IU East and IU South was in that mix as well. So, uh, well, Holy Cross was in that mix. Yeah, they were. Uh, from, a, from a ranked perspective, not just from a tournament perspective. Right. But yeah, we had five. We had nine Indiana teams get to the finals. Did you say Indiana uh, Tech? Indiana, I did not.
1: Okay. Yep. Throw them on there.
0: I should. <clears throat> they were ranked or they just were in the finals?
1: They were ranked in, in the. Uh, tournament
0: well god god bless indiana and, and the <laughs> indiana level because um sometimes that's the best we got so of course the glvc is loaded usually every year they're usually the, the best division two conference in the country and uh, make no bones about it if you're an indiana kid you're you're in good shape uh, athletically from a basketball perspective because there's a lot of good basketball played in the state. So, Got anything else?
1: <clears throat> uh, no, I don't before think so. we move on, I mean, I we I, we might have touched on it before, but stuff like that is people. I don't know, maybe not so much anymore. But a lot of kids used to turn their nose up to to playing for like a Crossroads or an NAI school, and that's it's pretty tough competition. I mean, if you don't come watch a game, or if you haven't seen highlights or anything, you really you you probably don't know what you're talking about
0: <laughs> well, you you definitely don't and I look I we had two kids from the class 2011 both went to Indiana Wesleyan that had multiple division 1 offers uh, both of them wanted a christian experience both of them probably wanted a, a smaller experience in terms of campus and culture, and and both of them wanted to be closer to home. the The one I will tell you, Zach Vanderwater, you know, was a you know all defensive team in the you know country. You know, was one of the best defenders in the in the country, and and probably would have been a good defender at any level, to be honest. Um you know, he had seven division one offers before he opted to go to Indiana Wesleyan. And then, uh, Kenny and Tyler Greathouse from Columbus North. Zach was from Whitco. Tyler Greathouse from, uh, from Columbus North had, had two division one offers chose to go to Indiana Wesleyan. And, and again, both situations were, were motivated by factors that had nothing to do with basketball. And, and have no problem with either one of them. And that's the kind of attraction that these schools have is that they can beat out division one, NCAA division one schools. And, and they may not be able to beat them out in terms of facilities. They may not be able to be able to beat them out in terms of prestige, in terms of schedule, in terms of who, you know, in terms of, you know, actually getting games on TV. I know Indiana Weston does a great job of getting their games on ESPN three. Yeah, they do. um, Which is great for a guy like me that has, you know, that gets most of his stuff on streaming anyway. But, um, you know, it, it still highlights the fact that these schools are ultra competitive and, and that and ultra successful. Oh, definitely. You know, and and winning does not suck. <laughs> you know, and Zach and Tyler will both tell you, and they will both tell you that that they had a great experience, and love the decision that they made. So,
1: yeah, I mean, you can you can come and potentially try to play for a championship at an Iwu or a St. Francis, or you can you can go to a Division One school and kind of a mediocre career and just to say you went to d1 so i mean if you're a competitor and you want to win crossroads league's not a bad way to go
0: that does it for episode 10 of the Court indiana podcast we've got about an hour that we recorded on zion williamson payer players getting paid for their likeness and g league entrance uh into this year's well not into this year's draft but just guys bypassing college so We'll, uh, we'll split that off and, and make it a separate podcast. Uh, appreciate you listening. Again, you can subscribe to Courts at Indiana on, on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and SoundCloud. Get a chance to give us a rate and a review. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening.